Hi there, how's your week been? For me, it's been a really busy one. I've recorded a few episodes actually. Can't wait to share those with you. One of them is somebody that I've wanted to get onto the show for a long, long time. And if you've been checking out Beauty Me podcast on Instagram, you'll definitely know who it is. But for now, I really want to focus on my guest today. I first met Abby Oyepitan and Liha Okuniwa of Liha Beauty around three years ago. At that time, I think they'd been building their brand for about three years, almost three years. And since then, I think I'd be correct in saying that success has kind of had a snowball effect for them since then. I think the real reason for their success is how they work together. They kind of both act like each other's yin and yang. While Liha's background is in the arts and aromatherapy, Abby is a former Olympic athlete. And together they channel their strengths to create an all-natural brand that takes inspiration and ingredients from Nigeria. I sat down with Abby and Leho at their new workshop in Whitney in Oxford to find out about how they met, their first beauty memories, the challenges they faced building a brand, and of course, the products they can't live without. Welcome to the Beauty Me podcast. My name's Sharice Kenyon, and I've been writing about beauty for around 15 years. During that time, I've heard so many stories about how we approach beauty, our routines and the traditions that make us who we are. I wanted to create a space where I could discuss these rituals further with people from around the world. For me, it's all about beauty without the BS. Obviously, I've known you guys for a little while, but I don't know all the ins and outs of daily life with you. So I'm really into people's daily routines. So first of all, Abby... Take me through from when you first open your eyes, what's what's happening in your day? Okay, so when I open my eyes, it's usually because my daughter's going, Mama, 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 And then I'm like, fuck it up. <laughs> so that's when I open my eyes. Um, so then I get her out of her cot, and depending on whether she goes to nursery or not, um, my day kind of begins. Sometimes um, I we listen to some kind of podcast, uh, whether it's um, something kind of like um, motivational um, or just some music or, you know, Spotify music or like a, a podcast I'm listening to, uh, you know, of interest. Um, and then give her breakfast get her ready for nursery she's going to nursery and then obviously oh, I have a shower and or sometimes we shower together and you know just yeah and my day kind of begins like that do you want like an in-depth like yeah I want to know what you're using in the bath like what you're using okay, in the shower so I usually use um our soap which is called which is, no it's not no. Oh, shit, <laughs> we've got a new product sorry. okay so um oh, giddy, which means um real soap in yoruba um so i use our soap um we're totally out of stock but i made a batch at my parents place um and then and then yeah so i'll use that i use that all over i use it on my face i just obsessed with the soap mm-hmm. i can't live without it i take it everywhere and then get out the shower um, bath or shower whatever um i usually use the shea butter so i have the shea butter all over and i would use p- pies and um, rosehip oil on my face i'm quite oily uh, but i'm not that oily anymore because i since i've been <laughs> 
understanding skincare, like skincare mm. on my face and stuff, knowing that not using oils doesn't you know it doesn't it doesn't make you more it doesn't produce more oils mm. um i used to be really bad and not kind of like i would just place like bits of cream on b- bits that weren't so oily mm. but then obviously getting into skincare realizing that oils are great for my face and actually now my face kind of has come into this equilibrium where it's not so oily um it's um so that's great. I love that. I'm obsessed with pies, um, rose oil. Um, I use that every day. Um, what else? Yeah. So I do that. I'm really minimal. I'm not a skincare junkie. Um, sometimes I use our new product, which is Audiomi. It's like a, a mask, like a, what would you say? It's like a cleansing mask. I use that, uh, I might put that on my face before I have a shower and then just, and then just wash it off. But I usually use that on my night routine. Um, so I do that and then I put shea all over. Sometimes I'll put the body oil, uh, e- e- um, e oil before I put the shea, but I usually just use the shea and I use that on my daughter as well. Um, and that, depending on what I have, more, what I'm doing with my hair, I. Yeah, cause you, I wanted to ask you about your hair. You've got a lot of hair. Yeah, I have a lot of hair. So I've, yeah, so when I was younger, I've always had natural hair. Um, I've kind of, I started to wear extensions quite a lot. Um, so Leha and I were swapped. So Leha had the afro and I'd always have my hair in extension. But when I was younger, I used to have my hair just in an afro. And I kind of, and because I got into extensions, I forgot how to do my hair, which is really weird. <laughs> and then I, and then I used to, when I was younger, I used to twist it every, like every week or something. It's just so long. But now I've discovered all I need to do to get this afro is do four plaits mm-hmm. and put the cream on or whatever, and then just take it out. And it's kind of like this and just like fluff it up so um yeah so I whip up sometimes I whip up my own product so recently I whipped up um shea with um aloe vera and well shea and coconut because it was my hair was a bit dry Mm -hmm. um so I do that so that's really hydrating my hair and sometimes and that's what I use I use shea butter just on its own sometimes and what else I just use whatever I have in my kitchen cupboard (laughs) I really yeah some other olive oil some grapes whatever um i use that um what else do i do i use a product called big hair um and my for my so i love the leave-in mm-hmm. and i use the co-wash as well but because i ran out of that and my local planet organic had blue Cleme, i just bought blue Cleme recently okay and so i started they have a um a conditioner uh, leaving it's like you can actually wash it out or leave it in so I use that sometimes as well I've been using that recently and that's been really good I used that with my daughter and that's great and I used I used their shampoo as well so that was quite good and um, what else yeah so that's basic I'm really minimal I make my own deodorant sometimes I don't wear deodorant because I don't wear <laughs> so I'm like really like okay. you know what I mean so I'm really minimal so yeah Lehard is are you the opposite of Abby when it comes to your morning? I mean, I'm not as high maintenance as maybe I used to be. I think uh, one of my first jobs was working at Space NK when I was about 19, when I was at uni. So um, then I was like a full, that's kind of when I got into the beauty buff thing. Um, and I just got like so many samples and different things. Oh I just got God. obsessed with it and all different routines and things. So my day, I'll wake up about 6 a.m., my kitten will be screaming at the door. It's not babies for me anymore because my daughter's grown. It's a little kitten <laughs> asking for food. So I'll go and feed her, wake up, um, 
take a shower. Wait, do I do? Oh no, actually I put on, um, YouTube. So I put on like meditation videos or just something like calming in the background. So I'll put on certain like different frequencies. Like I think five to eight Hertz is my favorite one. And it'll just have like really relaxing nature imagery. So if that's on in the background, even if I can't meditate, it's kind of like it's there. And even if I'm just sitting down, at least I'm kind of relaxing and getting into that zone. Um, and then I'll leave it playing, go and take a shower and then normally do my yoga like after the shower. So in the shower, I'll use the soap, which we've never got. So I haven't been using that for a while. Um, I'll probably just use like a shower gel. I use like Jason shower gel. The organic oh, I one. love Jason. Yeah, which one? Orange. I like the big orange one. Yeah. Um, and then I'll probably use a scrub as well. I normally make my own scrub. So I'll do um, one with like shea and coffee coffee grounds bit of orange essential oil so i'll use that um what else do i do in the shower oh and then yeah i always brush my teeth in the shower is that weird (laughs) i I know i think it's common i think it's controversial i think think it's controversial controversial. i'm not judging you i don't know but i think it's controversial i don't know so yeah brush my teeth in the shower um Sometimes what I'll do is I'll, depending on what my skin's like, I'll put a mask before I go into the shower. Mm. Um, Because quite often I find people will put masks on, put them on for like a stupid amount of time. And sometimes they actually don't need that long. They Mm -hmm. literally just need a couple of minutes. So one of my favorite ones at the moment is Dermalogica's charcoal one. I've got a Dermalogica addiction at Space NK and it's literally like never left me certain products. (laughs) So the charcoal one is really good, really exfoliating. So I'll pop that on really quickly and then just like rinse it off in the shower. Um, Don't have to do anything to my hair because it's in extensions, which is nice. It is addictive. I get Abby's problem (laughs) because it is like, oh, you don't have to do anything. You just get so used to it. Yeah. I shaved my head last, summer which was amazing i saw a picture it was really cute really cute yeah it was kind of i just got i just got sick of it and then i did it and it was it was just so good but now it's weird because i'm missing it because it's such an empowering feeling and also just not ever having to do anything it's so nice and my Mm. daughter's like no don't just keep growing it a little bit and see how it looks so i'm gonna grow out and see how it looks it's fine but i might i might do it again um yeah so then get out the shower and whilst i'm in the shower i'll melt the edan oil down just pop it in the bottom of the tub or whatever and let the water hit it. So then I'll put Edan oil all over, head to toe whilst my skin's still damp. Um, go downstairs, put my robe on, spritz rose water all over my face. And then I'll put on um, aloe vera gel. I normally use aloe vera gel as a serum mm-hmm. rather than anything else because literally any other serum breaks me out. I've got really sensitive skin on my face. And then I'll put on whichever moisturizer for the day. It's normally um, Waleda Rose okay. if I don't need SPF or Avain is the only mm-hmm. one with SPF that doesn't break me out. Avain SPF 20. Um, might put on a little bit of mascara, a bit of lip gloss. I don't really wear makeup on a day to day. Then I will put um, shea butter or like whichever whip I'm using at the moment. So I've got one at the moment with like myrrh and frankincense. So it would just oh, be shea butter, coconut, myrrh and frankincense. And then I'll put that on like feet, legs, knees. I'll basically do like another layer of moisture. Wow. Um, and then I go downstairs and do yoga and lay around for a little while. I try and take the day like quite slowly in the morning. Um, burn some incense, wait for the incense to stop burning, meditate for a bit. Then, yeah, that's about it for the routine. And then get dressed. I just wanted to check because most people, they mention their phones at some point. Are you guys not the type to jump straight on your phone as soon as you wake up? Never. Not checking the Instagram likes and stuff? I'm like really 
really strict with my phone. I don't ever have the phone in the bedroom at all when I'm sleeping or in the morning. I don't check anything. I don't have any notifications on my phone. On weekends, quite often, I'll just turn it off if I can. If I'm somewhere where there's no service, that's like my favorite thing. I hate (laughs) phones. You know, everyone's gone through those phases of getting like a little bit into it or getting addicted. And obviously sometimes when work's manic, I do have to be on it all the time, but I just find that it really messes with my natural flow. So I try not to, I try not to do it at all in the morning until I get to where I'm going. So obviously we're going to talk about how you guys met and the brand was born, but I really want to know like where your first kind of memories involving beauty where did that all start for you? So, Abby, do you want to go first? Beauty. My mum my, my wasn't really a beauty person. She still isn't. She's, like, supernatural. Um, I do remember her, like, using, like, black pencil and, like, her, her eyelids and, like, her her eyebrows and stuff. And that really – and, like, that's really it, really. I was not really into beauty. My first kind of, like, when I bought beauty was Millie and Ruby. They had this thing. And I don't know, because I think Ruby, because she's been Indian. <laughs> and I remember me and my 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 sister and my friend Kate, who's, like, my sister, going to Burnt Cross and buying, like, Ruby and Millie, like, purple. I bought this purple thing. And this they had this – thing where you can it was almost like a pen that you can turn it was transparent and you can turn and I remember that and it was a lip balm thing and it's a brush thing it was really when I think about it now it was so before it's time 100 percent. she they were so before and, the time and I ruby think, was a huge selling point i think like you said who else did we have that was brown dark, she's yeah she's dark. a dark-skinned she's indian like lady um amazing makeup artist so she was like probably the first person in the UK that you could associate with yeah. that, oh, maybe that's for me. And I think even if they brought that packaging back, that would still be ahead because there's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It was they so... were the first to do those twisty pens. Yeah, the twisty Because they're now concealers. To... That's kind of like a concealer style or like um, lip oh, gloss. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but they did it a long Way time ago. before, yeah. So I remember that, but I was much older. Like I was, I didn't really wear makeup. Like body shop was the only place you would go to and then the colours weren't really... And like, because I grew up in like Harleston, Stonebridge Park. So I went um, to, you'd like, you'd have like, um, you know, the hair shop and stuff. You'd have like, I can't even remember what they're called. You had a man. But I wasn't, oh, like a fashion lot of fair. Was, yeah, fashion fair. That's your, so man was more kind of like, um, I don't know, uh, uh, what would you think? Full coverage? Yeah, like full coverage yeah. stuff. And I'm, I don't ever, I don't really wear foundation. I didn't even know how to do it right. My, I would, yeah, so that's kind of like first. The Ruby Millie is what stuck out for me, me buying something I thought was amazing and kind of expensive, I suppose. <laughs> and like body shop, but I could never, body hat shop I always had way too many colours and I, it was way too much. I didn't understand it to do. That's really funny that Abby should mention body shop because that was actually my first job. <laughs> so when I was 16, I worked at body shop in Cheltenham um, and it was like going way back to 96. So it was when it was really just, they just launched like the colorings range. Um, in terms of makeup and stuff, that was, I was already kind of into makeup. I would say the first thing was probably Rimmel Coffee Shimmer. I'm really showing my age now. It was oh, the so- shimmer lipstick. Oh my God. But it used to have the thing where you, you couldn't even twist it. You had to like push it up. It had like a little thing and you'd put it was weird yeah it was like a weird little stick thing so that was the first thing I ever bought makeup wise was Rimmel Coffee Shimmer my dad was super strict so I could never 
by anything where you could like tell so it would have to be supernatural um but in terms of beauty i would say the first thing would be my mum because my mum was an aromatherapist and she's really into like crystal healing and all that hippie stuff so because i grew up above shops she was not a beauty person at all like never worn a scrap of makeup never does at all but what she did used to do would she had like this abalone shell and she would mix um like almond oil or coconut oil and mix in different essential oils and make her own fragrance like every morning to see kind of what she was feeling like so that shell and that whole kind of process I think was the first interaction for me with beauty and I think maybe another thing is my great gran she lived to be really old she lived to be 100 she passed when I was 20 and she was just always like a real powerhouse woman even when she was super super old she kind of like and she had really long silver hair and she would never cut her hair short which is what kind of the thing to do when you're older mm. so she i'd always have this memory of her i never even thought about this until i was talking about like brushing all of her like long silver hair out i guess it was that and yeah colorings um body shop that was amazing they sent me on training and i remember being like i can't believe i'm getting paid <laughs> to play with makeup all day and i feel like maybe that moment was the moment that i started to get really obsessed with beauty and also i actually got to meet anita roddick which was amazing because obviously she was still very much involved with the company then and she kind of was would go around to every shop and just talk to you and see and I was out the back like wrapping up Christmas baskets and she popped her head around the door and was like hi so I think seeing someone who was actually you know what I mean seeing the woman that was behind it all I didn't realize but it did kind of influence yeah so was there anyone for you when you were growing up that there was kind of like iconic for you in your kind of like vision of beauty was there anyone that you always wanted to kind of emulate for some reason lisa bonet came up and i actually i don't know why because she isn't who was like <laughs> um but I, I don't know oh god i think it's just because she was i know this sounds weird i don't want to say like different whatever but there wasn't that many black girls oh my god that no were, you know that, were yeah, that looked like her yeah or, or just just she had like her whole character and everything it was something just other to it the different world is just amazing like you know i mean that show obviously the cosby show different world do you know what for me and now that's interesting to think about lauren hill lauren Lauren hill when she came out was totally me really yeah like i'm like you saw obviously when she was in the fujis you saw like a girl who was a bit of a tom but had natural hair like her makeup was Mm. cool and then when she, she bought like vintage, yeah. Like, and when she was came out with Miss Education of Lawn Hill, I was listening to it today, driving up yeah. here. Um, I'm like that. We had. I remember buying the jeans. Dress. <laughs> I had the. I had the um, fake dreads and fake extensions. Me, and my girls had it all. Like, but she embodied like exactly who I was in terms of like you know she read the kind of books I read. Like was like. Um, she, you know, she knew about her history. You know, she spoke. You know, she spoke French. She learned French. All this kind of stuff. Um, and she wasn't that. You know, she wasn't that girl. Like guys could take the piss out of. Like she was. She evolved with the guys, and she. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of. Yeah, she epitomised who me and my friends were. Like black girls growing up in inner city London. Like, but you couldn't fuck with her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What about you, Leha? Uh, I think going back further, I just had a thought when you were saying about, uh, do you know that one Whitney Houston album and her hair's like really... She, there's a picture Is it Slick Back? Yeah. Oh my God, it's stunning. Album. It's her okay. first album. So my mum had lied to me because my dad, my, da- my dad's not doing my mum's English, right? My dad used to cut my hair back. He was just like literally like, it's haircut day. I've got two older brothers. Everyone on the stool, but, but, but. He, no one had time to be like 
Oh, to feminise it for you or anything. Yeah, just like, right, come on, you do it as well. And I was such a tomboy anyway. But then I remember when the album came out, I was starting to get more into like the feminine side of things. And I was like, oh my God, I hate my hair. And oh, it feels so ugly. Because people always used to think I was a boy, like all the time. Because I used to dress like a boy Mm. when I had short hair. And my mum had shown me that album, bless her. And she was like, look, Whitney's got really short hair as well. (laughs) And I just remember like, she just looked so regal in that album. And I put, I remember I stuffed it on the tape and stuck it on my wall. And I was like, yeah, it just really kind of empowered me. And obviously it was an amazing album. So yeah, that, that one little tape cover. I used to do that a lot. I used to take out the tape things and stick them all around. Yeah, because you had loads of yeah, pictures. Yeah, yeah. Posters. Yeah. I just can't think. I just can't think of anything. Billy Holiday. It was a Billy Holiday album cover that my dad had. And it's weird going back because obviously there was no internet. Do you know what I mean? It's not like it wasn't so image driven. So when you'd find something, it would feel really like you'd wow, and you'd like, want it in front of you. Treasure. So I'd go through his vinyl collection and a lot of the like images and there's an image of Billy where she has like a big flower behind her ear. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. And Cher as well, weirdly. I love Cher. Oh, I love Cher. And she's still going. Yeah. It was classless chaps for me, I don't know, something. I saw oh, that. God. <laughs> she, was she was so like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's proper out there. Mm. You just didn't see me. I was like, oh, okay. Like so this isn't something that I actually always ask, but I just thought it'd be good to get what you guys thought, because obviously you've both got children as well. But how do you think growing up would have been different for you if social media had been around then? How do you think you would have God, evolved? it was hard, is it? It was hard, is it? <laughs> it was hard anyway growing up. Um, as, yeah, you know. But I can't even imagine, like, the kind of... It can be so cruel. Like, mm. girls are cruel anyway, or kids can be so mean. But imagine, like, be... And, you know, everybody's got their cliques, and, you know, sometimes you're getting bullied or ostracised or whatever. Now, imagine taking that... <laughs> And not being able to get away from it. <laughs> you know, you, your house isn't, you know, mm-hmm. sacred. There's no privacy. There's like, you can, you have to, you've got a phone where people, people can not only talk about you at school, but then talk about you outside school and put pictures and just being me. I think it just exacerbates kind of insecure and being so insecure as a teenager. And then just everything being so visual and so out there. And so, you know, I mean, mm. yeah, I can't even, I can't. I think imagine. it's really weird because it's like a different thing. Because quite often, my daughter's 16, so I've, I've had to navigate. She's literally was raised by the internet. She's that generation. And it's really interesting having to sort of help navigate her through things. The most recent thing was I had to, I think I mentioned she had to delete TikTok because it was just like, getting ridiculously toxic loads of weird like race stuff on there but it's so weird how sometimes these social media things can turn on a dime like one minute will be really positive and she'll be in one corner of it and then another horrible corner of it just somehow reaches that other and it's really weird I've always been really engaged in what she's been doing but I think a lot of other parents are quite hands-off and they're like oh until something happens happens. but the weird thing is is it's kind of six of one and a half a dozen of the other because it depends where someone is but as a child, it's literally like, I cannot imagine how creative I was and how weird I was. And I had a very strange imagination. If I, It's literally like a Pandora's box. If I'd have had that in my room, sitting there thinking all this weird shit and Googling it, I, it's so weird. Mm. Like, it doesn't, it's really weird to me. And I think the way that we had to search around for information and the kind of time that used to you take. You had to put a lot of time in. Oh, yeah, oh my gosh, and hours. And the way that you would, I was trying to explain this to you the other day and I was like, well, you couldn't just like, find stuff out online and be cool you had to like go to the record shop i remember i went for a job at this record shop and it was like you had to like know the labels you had to have been digging you had you know you had to really like 
search things in order to get to the culture, whereas now it can be quite easily accessible. Sorry, I'm going off topic. My point is, in our day, if there was like negative imagery, there wasn't really anything to counteract it. So I think when we were growing up in the 90s, it was a lot about like waifs and every woman you saw was ridiculous. Kate Moss, heroin chic and all that stuff. and blonde and, you know, they're just... And that was why when Lauren came out, everyone was like, we were like, wow, like you really latched onto that um, kind of positive image and it really did a lot for your self-esteem. But the fact that there was only one Lauren, whereas now, the, the other side of it is, my daughter can go online and find, okay, there's loads of other girls that look like me that have the exact same hair as me, whatever, and, you know, yeah, almost, like, find a community online as well. So there is two sides mm. to it, but I'm not going to lie, I'm very glad that I grew up without the internet. I really think it was, it was a, like... It was an amazing time. The 90s was an amazing time <laughs> before. And I actually remember when my friend introduced me to it, she took me to the IT room. It was like, it was really late. It was like 90, 98, 99 in our first year of uni. And she was like, look at this. Google. <laughs> this is this thing called Google. <laughs> Lehigh Beauty, was that made official in 2014? No, no 2016. 20, wait, no. Wait, no, not 2016. On your website, Read so, on something so 2014. We, it was a side hustle for a really long time. No, I think because 2014 is, isn't that when we. No, did, it wasn't. I can't even remember. It was 2015. It was 2015. Wait, 2014. Okay, so 2014 probably <laughs> was when we did the soft. No, when we did Port Elliot. No, it was 2015 because I went to Ghana. But 2014 would have been when we started researching. But then Abby was still doing... It was weird. I thought about this the other day. And I was like, this is so crazy how much stuff we're doing. I can't remember. Abby was doing um, corporate social responsibility. She was doing like Olympic um, motivational speaking, whatever. And then we were doing Leha. And I had an art publishing business. And I was working in museum education. And it was that. So it was kind of like... We really didn't think it was going to take off as quickly as it did. And even though it feels quick, it did take quite a long time to get, you know, we had to get um, proof of market and everything like that. Was the intention there to build a brand though? Or was it literally a side hustle that you quite enjoyed? We knew we were going to build a brand, but I don't think we ever could have imagined, to be honest, that it would have got this Uh, much exposure in a way. I think, so Lee says that. So we have two differing opinions about this because I don't, I didn't, I came from a different, like, you know, totally different um, sector, whatever, field and sport. I was just doing it because, like, I thought it was just, you know, I don't know. I didn't really think about it. I didn't think we were going to build anything in terms of being a big brand or anything or be, or, or had this huge idea of what it potentially we could become. I wasn't really, as I said, I'm not into beauty. Um, or wasn't into beauty and I didn't understand the market I didn't know anything about the market so I didn't have this idea of us building anything I was just thinking oh you know and also you don't see, I didn't know anybody had done anything like that before so I didn't I just didn't I didn't know I just went along because I was just like oh this is cool let's just do something <laughs> I think yeah <laughs> that's my that was I, my that's thinking. really interesting to hear actually because yeah I guess we don't talk about this very much because it kind of just happened but I think because I always grew up above shops and I, and I have my other business, like I knew it was going to hit in some way because of the, the gap in the market and I knew it was definitely going to be there. But for me, in my head, I everything that I'd ever been around had always been quite like cottage industry. Not in a bad way, but very much in a way like, you know, you have a business, you make money and it's enough for you to live on. It's like a lifestyle business, do you know what I mean? So from my perspective, I would have seen it being like a really cool lifestyle business for us too. And That's I, what I, just I thought. I didn't think it would have been, it would have kind of 
got to this other level so that's been yeah a nice surprise yeah I think that's what I was that's what I was thinking I thought it'd be like you know I had another thing with my sister we did sold vintage clothing when I was an athlete so because I traveled so much and I was I was obsessed with vintage I grew up in near Labour Grove my mum grew up in Labour Grove I went to Port Bella Market from when I was a you know when I was a kid and they had amazing vintage clothes so when I started traveling I used to go to Florida or you know California I went to the Rose Bowl this amazing vintage um it's like a huge car park and it's just got amazing vintage stuff so and when I went to Korea they had like so I used to travel so much and every time I'd go anywhere I'd like find out the find the, where they'd have like cool vintage stuff so me and my sister and uh, me and my sister started selling vintage on um online so for me it was I almost saw it like that like you know making money on top of all the other shit I was doing because I was always doing so many other things so yeah and I you know like Leah said I didn't know anybody that done anything to scale or to like a kind of had this vision of a kind of um, an international brand or business or anything. So that was, yeah. I always thought it would be, I always knew it would be international, but I always thought it would be like just us selling through our site. Like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like the poster business I had before was was a similar thing, but it was, you know, it was just niche, very niche. I just didn't think that it would kind of, mm. yeah, cross over. Mm. <laughs> so, Abby, when did you click that, oh, okay, this is actually, this is going to be something bigger? Uh, God, I, when did I click? I don't, I, I think when we started looking for investment and starting, when I started to understand that, like, things were accessible to us. <laughs> and when you start, when you start, like, like, thinking bigger and start thinking, like, you know, you, you know, I went on this verging thing. Because we're, we're always running out of money, like, in terms of, like, and stuff was always out of stock because, like, cash flow is a bitch in the business. And so we weren't paying ourselves. You know, it was very much a side hustle. You know, she lives in Cheltenham, lived in Cheltenham. I lived in East London, not even, like, Northwest London. Like, so it would take us three hours to just meet up and shit. So it was ridiculous. And so um, so when we started thinking and started looking at around what other brands were doing in terms of like getting investment and we're like okay we're running out of money we can't pay ourselves because we're constantly running out of cash flow and stuff like that yeah Yeah, and everything was going back into the business then starting to look outwards and thinking actually we could get investment this is a viable business you we've been in like you know liberty and vogue american vogue has featured us and things like that I don't even know why we didn't think of it sooner so that's the weird (laughs) thing and i think i think it's just like you know what you know right yeah that's what we know you work with what you've got at the time and i come from a a line of shopkeepers so that's what it is you you have your business you make your money you feed yourself and everything else is cool like that's it whereas like i was talking to this guy he was like a really big deal and he was like oh so and the weird thing is when we sort of got to this place now a lot of people just assume that okay we had the idea we went and got a shit ton of investment and then we launched it looking back now i would say to anybody if that's what your plan is then definitely do do that However, I, uh, there's a part of me, I'm literally in two minds because I'm like, if we hadn't done it this way, I actually don't know that we would have, you know, you just don't know, it's a chicken and egg because actually the investors were really impressed by the fact that, yeah, we have always turned a profit. We have actually managed to start, we started this on 3K of savings each and just grind, that's it. So not, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, the, you might not even be here potentially yeah. because 
once the investors can get involved, it can kind of skew things yeah, a different way. Something like Glossier, where she was literally right. I've got this idea. Here's the market. I know the market. You know, obviously she had proof because she had a. But you know, she went and raised a load and raised more, and then kind of hit it really hard. I think that is interesting as a model, but at the same time, I think I don't know that we would have necessarily grown in the same way organically. And like in COVID, it literally went back to the fact of like we're out of stock. No one can produce anything gonna have to make some candles like in the kitchen and drive them to fulfill. really yeah of course and you know i wouldn't have been able, we wouldn't have had those skills if we had done it any other way we, we started out making in our kitchens and we literally did it from the ground up so i don't have any regrets but when people do ask about that it's really interesting having learned about all the investment side it's literally like a different language i find it fascinating like i spend so much time now like watching bloomberg and like oh i feel like oh i've got this whole new like side of my brain it's really really interesting to just look at business from you know, like Abby says, like from that, from a different perspective. And I think in a way, we've kind of got a good vantage point because, you know, you can see it from both sides. What's the thing you're most proud of coming from Lehar Beauty? I think just for me, it's just seeing how it's grown and how like coming from having this, you know, idea, you know, and doing everything ourselves. We know every aspect of this business. Mm. Do you know what I mean? If we had outsourced it, you know, you know, now what people do is get like a fact. Get the biggest agency. Yeah, and they, and they, like, yeah. It's just an idea and da-da-da. Yeah, and like now people just do like, you know, straight off the shelf a gl- um, cleanser or straight off the shelf candle. And so we know, like Leha said, like if we didn't know how to make, we know how to make our products. And just seeing something evolve from nothing with, yeah. you know, with, you know, our savings and seeing like people in like Japan or people in mm-hmm. Russia or whoever you know, using it and telling us it's great. The best thing for me is when I get an email and like somebody's like, oh my God, the show has just cleared up my whatever, my scar, my eczema, it's the best show I've ever seen. It's better than, you know what I mean? Whatever. That just makes me, (laughs) like makes my day. (laughs) I I love that. You can kind of get a bit head down with it. You know, you can get a bit like... Just we'll just churn things out and, you're, and you're, you've got your head down but for me yeah definitely the thing I'm most proud of is the products 100% because I think there isn't anything else like that out there the range is really different and people always just give us so much great feedback about it and for me like I'm I've said to you before like I'm a very slow person I like to do things slowly and like I think there's kind of a power in like knowing your own pace and doing things to your own pace not getting not be, swept along might, yeah it might not be slow your pace might be fast mm. that's fine but if you you know what I mean you've got to like get to know yourself and be comfortable with that and I think one thing I'm really proud of is that the products encourage everyone to kind of slow down a bit and I think I've mentioned before with the oil with because you have to melt it we'd often get women that had like these amazing careers and they'd come to the workshop and you know they were flying everywhere and getting paid loads of money and they'd be like but I don't have five minutes to melt the oil and I'd be like, really? And, and I know that sounds weird, but the, the, the amount of times I've had that conversation to be like, but I don't have five minutes. And you can see something's clicking in their brain like, what the fuck? I just said I don't have five minutes and I've got all this other stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can what, find it. Yeah. Can you find it? And then also, so in a, in a weird way, I do think even though, yeah, it is only beauty, it's it's not only beauty because it can make you think about other things. It can make you realise other things. It can make you realise that like a little bit of time for yourself is important and just as a treat as well I just think yeah that's the most that's the thing I'm most proud of what's your take on the whole self-care movement is that something that you <laughs> Lee has rolling her eyes there um because it's I've written you know I've written about it yeah. 
about how it's kind of really become this hashtag, but it really meant so much more back in the day. But where do you, are you guys, are you into the whole self-care Saturday? Do you even have time? But what's your... I'm really, I'm really into it, but like the whole movement thing, so much of it is just so, I feel like it's quite fake, some of it. I feel like it's quite luxury. It's it's not really taking into account the little things you can do. Yeah, exactly. I do feel like, and some big brands have just sort of jumped on it and been like, self-care, da-da-da, and I don't think they've really grasped the concept. For me personally, I would say like Audrey Lord's definition is you know, the most amazing one, which says, you know, it is actually a radical act, which goes back to what I was saying before. If you're actually taking time for yourself in whatever way, and it doesn't have to be with a candle oil or whatever, it can literally just be taking five minutes or not doing the thing that everyone wants you to do. Mm-hmm. That itself is a radical act because you're finding yourself and you're, you know, going deep into yourself. And that's what self-care is to me. I think I think it's just um yeah yeah totally what Leha said I think it's just your mental your mental well-being you know like maybe well-being is a better word I don't know there's certain words because it's be it starts to be overused it loses its meaning like clean beauty I hate it now mm. <laughs> um and like well-being and not self-care I think it's just like talking you know it's about mental health your your mental well-being um and yeah and it it differs for for so many different people like you know their definition of that yeah it can taking it might be taking time it might be you know whatever it is for me it's just um you know just my what makes me happy I always do what I want to do I don't I'm not I don't feel like I'm forced to do anything so that kind of and just always being like true to yourself and and things like that and just you know I think in this kind of environment as well um especially with COVID I think people have just become much more aware of like their own mental health and mental well-being and whatever um but yeah that's what it means to me what's your favorite way to wind down if and when you have that moment of Oh Peace. God, I totally like winding down. My daughter goes to bed at seven. If she if she gets that, it's like oh my, that's heaven. Um, yeah, like we were talking about earlier, just having a nice glass of wine and good food. We usually a takeout. <laughs> Um, or like yeah, or sometimes I don't have a massive appetite, so sometimes I would just have like like cheese and crackers, and then just like watch like ninety day fiance. Okay, I, mean, yeah. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Um, or just read a magazine, or read my a book. Um, yeah, and just quiet, like no noise, no yeah, just just quiet time, like having nobody talking to me. That's like heaven <laughs> to me. <laughs> what about you, Leah? Yeah, same. I really like quiet um, and getting out in nature, like taking a really long walk. I find really relaxing. I started playing music again in quarantine, which has been amazing. What do you mean, actually playing yourself? Yeah, I play saxophone. But I haven't played for ages. I started when I was wow. like fourteen. I played a lot, like when I was in London and stuff. I did a little bit of like just going around in like weird noise bands and stuff. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I just hadn't like picked it up properly, and then in quarantine, I started playing again a lot. Um, and it's just so relaxing to get into that flow state mm. where you're just doing something and your brain's just not in it at all. So that for me, yeah. I love that you found it again during yeah, quarantine because you might not have. Yeah. <laughs> Final question. When do you feel you're most beautiful? 
And you can be honest if that's never or whatever, you know, it's... Uh, I don't know. I think it's just when you, when I feel my most beautiful. So, I don't even know. Like, you know, when I, when my makeup looks good, I suppose, or when I've found, like, I don't shop as much as I, I don't, I rarely shop, but I actually bought a really nice cat suit <laughs> the other day. <laughs> I'm obsessed with leopard print. I've got an obsession with leopard print. I'm surprised I don't have anything. But yeah, I'm obsessed with leopard. I bought this cat jumpsuit or cat suit, whatever, with leopard print. And it doesn't look nice off the hanger, but we put it on, it looks amazing. My sister came out, she goes, ah, it looks really good. So, like, something like that and like getting my hair out, just like, you know, and getting dressed up. I suppose I don't get dressed up and wear makeup very often um, anymore. So, and just, you know, when you just feel good. So I suppose that's when I feel my most beautiful, when I make an effort, which I rarely do. So, yeah. <laughs> I suppose. I think, you? again, this shows like sometimes we're polar opposites because mm. I feel most beautiful when I'm just like, I don't know, just like at home, like doing nothing kind of. I don't know, because obviously you do feel beautiful when you're out and you're getting ready kind of thing, but when I feel, like, really, really good and I'm in a really happy place, that's when I kind of feel most beautiful, I guess. So, yeah, just when I'm at home, chilling, dancing around. Thanks so much for listening. Take a minute to like, subscribe, perhaps share the episode with someone that you think will be interested. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Beauty Me Podcast, or you can follow my personal account, which is at Sharice.Kenyon. Feel free to slide into the DMs with any feedback or suggestions for future guests, and I'll see you next week.